the character quality of God. So we'll get to some of those details in just a minute. But as I lay out some of the groundwork, let me just say this, that, that the fruit of the Spirit, kindness, that we're going to look at here today, is, is a Greek word that appears ten times in the New Testament. I mean, you think about the word agape or philo or some of these very uh, common words in the scriptures. They appear hundreds of times, right? We look at this word for, for uh, kindness, translated kreskotis in the Greek. It only appears ten times in eight verses. So we're looking at all eight verses today so you can see a full picture of what God is trying to convey through this word. Now, it is strictly Pauline. If you don't know what that means, it means Paul is the only one that ever used this word in the New Testament. In the Bible, for that matter. So, so Peter never used it. The gospel writers never used it. It is unique to the writings of Paul, which I thought was fascinating as well. Now, the word itself can be translated goodness, kindness, even gentleness. Not only depending on which translation you use, but even within a translation, there are multiple ways in which that word was translated. And I think the reason for that is that the author, Paul, is trying to find the, the, uh, the translators of that are trying to find the best word, word that suits that context. We're going to try today to try to primarily just call it kindness, all right, just for the, for the sake of confusion. You know, we'll keep it, keep it as kindness just for our understanding. But again, it can be translated goodness. So a lot of times when we think of God being good, it's this Greek word, this concept of God that we are looking for. And so the word goodness, for instance, is agathos, also translated good, appears several times. I mean, 102 times this word appears. So what I want to do is contrast the two. So we have... The, the, the word for kindness that we're going to talk about today, or the word goodness, they seem similar on the surface, but I think they're, they are different. For instance, agathos is, is, is a broad term. It could be used even when Jesus Christ went into the temple and he overthrew the money changers' uh, tables, and he, he created a little chaos in the temple and addressed some of the, the issues that were there. God was good, and God was upright in his act. There. That, that justice, the justice of God is good. So there seems to be some kind of uh, retribution or consequence for sin. And sometimes that's called good. But not with the good that we're talking about today. The good for the kindness of God is, has, has no um, wrath associated, no um, uh, judgment associated to it. It would be more like when Jesus Christ went to the woman at the well and he met there with her and ministered to her and boldly went outside of cultural boundaries and said, I want to reach this person uh, with the message, the fact that I am the Savior and I care about her in spite of what culture says. And so that would be the difference, that this kindness, this goodness of God appears in that way. So we're going to take a closer look at this um, in, our, in our text here today. We're going, to, we're going to break it down. First section is going to be Primarily focused on God, and the first four verses that we're going to be looking at are kindness relating directly to God, how it is involved in who he is, his character, and what that does for our lives. And then the other half of the sermon will be the four verses that deal with man and how the verses directly speak to man and the relationship that, that uh, man has uh, and the responsibility that man has in the area. And so, first, verses, first verse, set of verses that we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 2. Um, kindness is, is, 
see the kindness of God, and all these verses that deal with God and kindness are connected to his, his saving work. All right, so I want you to see the connection in each of the sections of scriptures that we're going to look at. And so in Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, follow along as, as I share Okay, it says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. For we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, let and yet you do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness, there it is, forbearance and patience, knowing that, the, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. First thing again that we're going to look at is God's kindness leads us to repentance. I think about 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says God is not willing that any should perish, but he's long-suffering and patient. His goal is that people will get saved, that they will repent of their sin and turn to him. God is incredibly patient. I think that's kind of wrapped up in his kindness, right? Why does God show patience? It's because God is kind. He is not willing that any should perish. perish. If we were to look at the example of Jesus Christ, all throughout Christ's ministry, right? He was kind. He was moved with compassion on the multitude, right? When he saw a group of people that were hungry, he multiplied the loaves and fishes. Right? When he saw the need, he saw the hunger, he says, here's, here's the way that I'm going to satisfy the need. But is that an end of itself? Is that the ultimate goal, is just to feed the hungry? Absolutely not. It was his kindness that was leading people to repentance. It was the act of kindness there that would hopefully, by feeding the multitudes, he would draw people to himself. That they would see him not just as a guy that, hey, he puts on a good lunch, but as a guy that is able to save my soul. Right? There's always a process of the kindness. What's the kindness about? The kindness is to bring people to repentance. Why did he heal the lame and give sight to the blind? Not just to, to fix the physical infirmities of humanity. He did those things with the intent of reaching them with the gospel that he was bringing to them. That they would turn from their sin. That they would have a life changed because of the power of God in the life of a person. Sins can, our sin problem can be solved in Jesus Christ. But what preceded that was the kindness of God. Throughout the, the gospel text, we see these things happening. Why did he calm the seas? Why did he cast out the demons? Not just to, 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 to show his power, but in showing his power, they could step back and say, this isn't an ordinary man. This has got to be somebody more. This is possibly our Savior. It's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. That was the goal. That was the purpose. We see that not only the kindness of God leads people to repentance, but we also see kindness in the second point would be it is, it, is, it is directly opposed to the severity of God. Yes, we saw in this verse, in the passage we looked at, that it was the wrath of God or it was the kindness.
kindness of God. Here we see it again in Romans chapter 11, verse 12. It says this, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. See them juxtaposed? See them standing opposed to each other? The severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Now, the imagery of this text is quite fascinating. We don't have time to read all of chapter 11 today. Good homework assignment, though, by the way. Take a note, read chapter 11. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is the bigger picture, the bigger text is showing that the Gentiles, like a wild olive branch, was grafted in to this rich root, the source, um, the, 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 the power, the rich working of God in the lives of people. And the other side of that was the severity of God, that Israel was not the people that they were to be. They were disobedient. They, they rejected the mercy. They, they crucified the messengers, the, the, the prophets of old. And he says, I'm going to just cut you off and discard you. I'm going to graft in a new group of people, the Gentiles. And they will be here in this New Testament age, this church age, be the way that I'm going to communicate my message to the masses. And so that's the message of this particular passage that, again, it deals with the saving and, and satiric work of God where he's trying to reach people with the gospel. It is his goodness that leads them to repentance and, and, and opposed to kindness would be the severity of God. So chapter 11 of Romans talks all about his mercy, his grace, belief and unbelief, and this concept of, of cutting off and grafting in. So that God would have a people that are fruitful and useful for his kingdom work. Does that make sense? So we see the kindness of God showing up in, 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 in letter A, letter B, and now letter C, this uh, kindness of God will be uh, also connected to a future reality. What is that future reality? So the salvation, yes, seems to be always this past work in our God, in our, in our lives, right? As we think about the way that God saved us, I got saved on May 11, 1988. I was enlisted in the Air Force overseas in Spain. Somebody came by, shared the gospel with me. On that day, I was changed. Absolutely had a confidence and an assurance that I would spend eternity with God because of what God had done in my life. But salvation isn't just a thing of the past. It just doesn't happen and then cease to influence us. No, it has radically changed our lives. We live differently, and then there's still a future hope of even better things. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad that, that God has promised us eternal things and better things? That it, it, even, even our best days, there's still more to come. Even, even, even when things get hard, we can look past the mess and the confusion and, 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 and the difficulties and say, you know what, God has an eternal hope for us. Still ahead. And that's the kindness of God. It wasn't just something in the past that brought us to repentance, but it's relevant today and it is, has a future implication and future reality to come. Let's turn to Ephesians. If you, if you have your Bibles, you might just follow along here. We'll read 4 through 7 and see how this is communicated to us. Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4, but God. I love that phrase, right? But God. In the challenges and the mess and the complications of our life, we, we know, but God, in spite of all that, but God, be rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you were saved. 
and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches of his grace, and folks, there it is, in kindness toward us in Christ. Man, immeasurable, what a superlative word. I mean, it's just, it's just immeasurable riches. Man, think about the physical world that we live in, and, you know, I, 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 I can't imagine having wealth, you know, of uh, some of the most wealthiest people in the world. I mean, I can't imagine having a million dollars, let alone millions or billions. You know what I mean? Uh, they're, 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 and yet, beyond even that, immeasurable riches of his grace. Yes, we've gotten a taste of it, but there is more to come. Yes, we've experienced it in part, and we've yet to experience it in full. It's the down payment, the earnest, as we, we, we can read in another passage of our salvation, the work of God in our lives, but it's just, just, just the beginning. Yes, there is salvation, there is glorification, but we're in the midst of this thing called sanctification. The process of growth, the process of maturity. And the kindness of God shows up here, the kindness of God shows up here, and the kindness of God shows up here. It is, it is, it is who God is, and He's actively expressing that kindness to us. I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly grateful, grateful for the kindness of God. Not only for the past that it's drawn us to Him, and, and, and in, the, in the presence, and it is a process that is working in us, but it has a future implication as well. That it's the fullness of our salvation. It is the eternal implication of what God is doing. Fourth point here under the kindness of God. It is paired up in love. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. We're going to look at uh, actually four verses. 4, 5, 6, and 7 of Titus 2, chapter 3. Titus 3, verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, he, his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out so richly through Christ, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So verse 4, start, or chapter 4, verse verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God uh, appears. It's this kindness. Again, partnered with the love of God. And here we have, again, the salvation message. How are we saved? It's not by our own good works. It's not by anything that we've done. We're going to see in just a moment as we, we flip this to man's side. The, the, the goodness and kindness and all this stuff is absent from the natural man. So it's not by anything that we do. It's, it's God doing a work in us. It is, it is deposited in us. It is, it is God working in us because we are capable of producing those things ourselves. So he saves us. We can't save ourselves. He died on the cross for the sins of the world so that we might have a solution to our sin problem. He said, that is God. I'll put all the sin of the world upon my son so that he would be a sacrifice for me. Israel. And that's the message here. It's the love of God and the kindness of God that begins to do the work of salvation in us. And so hopefully we get a good snapshot. Those are all the verses 
oh, that, I should say half the verses that deal with this kind of subject, and and, and they, they front load with, and I wanted to front load this message with, with the fact that it starts with God, right? That's the source. That's where this is at. And before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, God producing this in us, it has to come from Him. You know, think of the old, old hymn, O Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings. You know, out of Him is the source. That spring in which all this flows, right? It, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is there that we discover it. It is there that it begins to manifest itself in the life of believers. But before that happens, salvation must take place. It is absent in natural man. So let's make that shift. So we're looking at God's now work in sanctification. Where it shows up in man, the way that he begins to work in us. The first point here would be kindness. And we have to acknowledge this is absent from natural man. Romans 3.12, it tells us that. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Not, no one does good. Not even one. That word good there is that word kindness. It's not in us. You will say, well, I had, I had some unsafe person do something nice to me. Yeah, but, man, I'm going to add a but here. Yeah, but, the, the, the fact of the matter is, was it kindness or just purest kindness? Is there some selfish alternative motive that they were hoping to get something for themselves out of the <coughs> kindness that they did towards you? I would sometimes be skeptical even of the kindness shown by unbelievers, and that is just... A maybe moment of kindness, it is not a nature, a natural attribute of kindness that's in them. Okay? Yeah, blind squirrel finds another once in a while, right? <laughs> so does an unsafe person sometimes show kindness, maybe. Okay? And qualify it. The fact of the matter is, is the scripture says there's none that does good, not even one. The natural man uh, has kindness as something that is foreign to them. And Romans 3 is fascinating. And again, another homework assignment. Read all of chapter 3 sometime this week, and you'll see the Apostle Paul almost taking sinful man to court. That's kind of what it sounds like. He, he gives this indictment. He says, guilty, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? And then what he does is he gives 14 counts against man. And let me build my case, that's what Paul says. He goes, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You know? That's, that's the sentence. And here's the case that I'm doing. And he gets 14 um, counts, indictments against man. And one of them says, hey, none does good. You're worthless. You're turned aside. And, and it's very kind of discouraging when you read it because it does point out all the deficiencies that we as human beings have. We truly fall short. God longs for perfection, and we are imperfect people. So there's this big chasm, a holy God and sinful man, separated because of man's sin. God cannot allow sin into heaven, just because you would not want one little drop of cyanide in your gallon of water, right? Just one little drop. No, it's no longer safe. It's, it's polluted. So God said, I can't even let one little bit of sin into my head because it's going to pollute this holy place. Why is God so serious about this matter? Because heaven is a perfect place. And here we are as sinful people separated from him. That's a big problem. But the solution is Jesus Christ. He bridged the gap. Imagine the cross of Christ. 
being the bridge to which a simple man can reach a holy God. It is by faith, through grace. It is through that means. So God says you're guilty, you're sentenced, um, and he, he lays out the case there through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3. Goodness, kindness, is absent from us. It doesn't end there, though, right? And I'm, I'm glad for that good news, that, that there is hope, and that we can produce kindness, but it is not self-generated. It doesn't come from us. It is not, it is not natural to us. Is a work that he does through us. Let's develop this a little bit more. The second one, kindness not only absent in natural man, but kindness is characterized in Paul's ministry. So Paul's going to give us an example of his own ministry. He's going to go into detail in chapter 6, and we're just going to look at verses 3 to 6 of 2 Corinthians. He says this, put, or we put no obstacle in anyone's way. This is Paul, again, describing his ministry to the Corinthian church. We put no obstacle in anyone's way. He's describing his ministry as being super sensitive to, to, the, to the people around him so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. I like the way he describes this. Notice the challenges of the ministry. By great endurance. Inflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. And, and he says, putting all that aside, in spite of all that we're going through, he says, by purity, as an effective character uh, and quality of his ministry, knowledge, and patience, and there's kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. Paul's ministry, he knew for his ministry to be effective, his ministry to have an impact in spite of all the challenges that, 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 and the attacks internally, externally, that the ministry would face. He says we need to stay the course, endure, um, uh, be patient, um, do it knowledgeably, in a powerful spirit, and in general love, as he says there, in kindness. Again, what was kindness? How did we see kindness manifesting God? It was always directly related to the saving of men. The salvation work of God and redeeming mankind. Kind, kindness was key in every aspect, in every part of that. And Paul says, you know what? My ministry needs to mirror what God's ministry was like. So God's ministry was laced with kindness. Yes, he is holy and just God, and he, he would display his justice and even his wrath and his severity. But he was kind first. And you only manifest those things is if his kindness and his love and his mercy was rejected. I would much rather experience the love and kindness of God and submit to that and, and rather than rejecting it and face the severity and the judgment of God. If you're here today, and this is just a sidebar note, and you have yet to trust Christ Think about what you are risking. Are you willing to risk the, 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 the love of God for the wrath of God? Are you willing to harden your heart towards that kindness of God and love the risk of, of facing the wrath of God? Hey, what, as generous and as powerful and as rich as the kindness of God is, proportionate is the wrath. Yet to see the fullness of that. I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see the unsaved in eternity be sentenced um, 
It's a serious matter. Here today, you've yet to trust Christ today. Why not today? Recognize that the kindness of God is leading you to repentance. And today could be a day of new beginnings. What an opportunity at the end to maybe accept Christ and, and receive that incredible gift. I wouldn't run the risk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play the odds. I wouldn't roll the dice and hope that maybe, you know, I'm wrong and you're right. I would rather say, you know what? I better just make sure that my heart and my life is right before the God. Because someday I have to stand before him. And I'd much rather feel his warm embrace than the wrath and judgment of me the rejected him. So, Characterize Paul's ministry. The generous, sympathy, generous act, sympathy of the Savior uh, was manifest in his ministry. And I think that's why Paul would even say, I become all things for all men. I'm trying to reach people with the gospel. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. If it's suffering, I'll, I'll endure those hardships. Hoping that some will come to knowledge and see the grace of Jesus Christ. And so, this third point of kindness, kindness in the sanctification of man, is where this all started in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Right? So we, we, we can look at the text here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. There is kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit, as we've talked about already, is something that is, that is a God work in our lives. It's something that God begins to generate. And as, as the Holy Spirit indwells us, these fruits are potential in us. And as we talked about before, I think Trey started it off and he mentioned this, the fruit of the Spirit is not for the, for the member, for the individual, it's for the person outside. It's like the tree. The tree, we, how we have an apple tree, orange tree, lemon tree, it's kind of cool to come to California or Southern California and, and have all these fruits growing in our yard, you know? We are the recipients. The trees don't enjoy the benefit of that. We as, as partakers of those fruits that come from the tree, enjoy the benefits of those fruit, that fruit. The same thing with the fruit of the Spirit. If I exhibit the fruit of kindness, you are the recipient of it. Can you imagine why a is that is, 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 is highly productive and fruitful, manifesting the character qualities of the fruit of the Spirit? This is a, it will be a pretty awesome place. And when visitors come in and people from the outside see that, they're going to walk away and say, man, that, that, that's some good fruit. You know, that was, that was a good time. These are great people. I don't know what it is. Maybe I can't even put my finger on it, but something's different about this place. And I want to come back. I want to be a part of this. You see how the fruit of the Spirit is going to be very attractive and appealing to a lost world that has to do with all the garbage? What was opposed to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? It's the work of the flesh. They're dealing with the work of the flesh all week. They're dealing with people with all sorts of problems. And if, if the fruit is something beneficial and helpful and healthy to the soul, the fruit is like the dirt, the filth, and the garbage that just get heaped on. You ever have to climb the dumpster? You ever have to weed through a compost pile and rotting fruit? And, you know, um, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go into details here, but just use your imagination. I've got two brother-in-laws are plumbers, and they stick their hands in real nasty places to clean claws, I tell you that. But that's living in the world. That's the work of the flesh, and we get that nastiness on us, right? And when the world comes in here, all can kind of kind of gooped up with that nastiness, and they can experience the fruit of the Spirit, healthy, life-giving, vibrant fruit. Walk away saying this place is pretty special. I hope there's a church that we can manifest 
through the Spirit. Again, I say I hope, because it's not automatic. The fruit of the Spirit, yes, is, is producing. And the Holy Spirit is trying to generate that in our lives. But it doesn't always surface. What I wanted to add to this this morning is, is we can turn there if you want, but 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and Ephesians 4.30 talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. He's talking about Christians who do not allow the Holy Spirit to have its full work, his full work in our lives. And I think this is a perfect place to, to in, integrate these two texts, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 and Ephesians 4.30, because we can hinder the work of God in our lives. Because not only do we have the new nature, <coughs> nature is the present. We are born again, yes. And we have a spiritual new DNA, a DNA that looks like God, right? But we have the old DNA, the sinful condition. And this is going to be a constant war. I think one of the previous messages talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul was wrestling inside. He goes, I don't want to do these things when I find myself doing things, and then I shouldn't be doing other things, and I'm not doing those other things. And Paul's back and forth, wrestling with this internal tension. And I think that's exactly what it is. The Holy Spirit is trying to produce fruit, but we begin to squelch and, and, and hinder the fruit process, fruit, fruit growing process. If you have a fruit tree, you can, you can do certain things that hinder that tree from producing the fruit, right? Or you can do other things that cultivate a healthy tree. And so this is, this is where as the, as, as the Christian, yes, it's a work of God. We cannot generate this on our own, but we can stifle and hinder the work that God's trying to do in our lives. That makes sense in tracking it. So we not only recognize that God is capable of doing this, this character quality comes from Him, but we also have to submit ourselves and be obedient to allow God to continue the work and that segues us to the last point here under the sanctification piece. Is this the choice of man? Turn with me if you're not there already, but uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. This is, this is a command. We see in verse 12 of Colossians 3, he says this, put on. As God has chosen ones, holy and loved, compassionate hearts, kindness, there is again, Humility, meekness, and patience. You say, well, I thought it was what God was doing, not something we could do. No, we're not doing this. Well, I mean, we're putting it on, but we're not producing it. It's the fruit of the Spirit who's beginning to, 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 to surface this. How many times have we sat and heard the Holy Spirit or maybe felt God leading us, hey, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you be kind in this way? Or why don't, why don't you be generous in that way? Why don't you show some we, we have this internal conversation. We feel that thing coming up. And what sometimes happens is we're like, I don't want to squash. We, we quench the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we grieve the Holy Spirit. The fact is uh, that we need to be a willing participant. That takes obedience. It takes submission. It takes humility. A surrender that says, not my way, but yours. Not my will, but yours. You don't maybe want to do it. Maybe you don't want to be kind. But it's not about wanting to be kind, it's about surrendering to what God is leading you to do. In the greater context here, he says, put off those filthy things. Put 
put on this. Imagine it this way. Uh, you ever see Dirty Jobs? That TV show, Dirty Jobs. It's a nasty job. I already talked about some nasty stuff already. But some of these dirty jobs. I remember working with a guy when I first got into ministry who had a, a cesspool business. I don't know. It was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, pastor on Sundays and, you know, doing this cesspool stuff during the week, you know, just to make it income, just to survive financially. And, and I felt like, you know, after a day working with him, sweating, you know, we, we, put, we would put acid in the cesspools to break up the particles, and that acid would get on your clothes and burn right through your clothes. And, and, and then, you, you know, you're, you're blasting these septic tanks with high-pressure water so you can recreate the drainage. I mean, it was just nasty. I don't know what happens to corn, but anyway. It's um, so, all the time. I guess it doesn't digest. But anyway, so um, the fact of the matter is, is it was a nasty job. God 
in an increasing way working in our life. I don't know where or when or how. It might wake you up in the middle of the night. It may be part of your commute. It may be integrated into your day, part of your workout. All of a sudden, God says, here, I need you to recognize this. And the Holy Spirit says, here, I need you to integrate this into your life. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just something that is contained internally, but it must manifest itself externally. As the Holy Spirit is saying, here, here, I'm producing this, I'm producing this. We need to recognize that it is God, surrender to that, and watch God do work through us. If kindness is a character quality or part of that fruit of the Spirit, coming from God, working through us. What was the first point we looked at? It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Do you think it's possible that the kindness of God working through you could be what God uses to bring souls to himself? Absolutely. Your kindness, your day-to-day -day consideration of others could be the catalyst for the salvation of rescue of sin from the wrath of the severity of God into experiences so not only do we want it to be recognized, we want it to be to be manifest. We, we don't just sense it, it should become apparent. Kindness is not just this thing, like, if I want to be kind right now, no, just be kind. Allow that to come out. We can be surprised what God does as he develops a healthy body of believers called the church here in Oceanside, we're in Oceanside, as we see souls coming to himself. Maybe here today, and you've yet to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I don't know you well enough. I, I know some of you, some of you very well. 26, 26 years of marriage and, uh, and courtship and dating and all that prior to it. So I know my, wealth, my wife probably far better than I know any of you else that are here. But still, I have to ask this question. Do you know Christ? Have you accepted his sacrifice as the solution to your sin problem? Have you realized that, yes, we are sinners of kindness and all other mess is natural to us? Kindness, the absence of kindness and all other messes is, is kind of natural to our unsaved condition. And God still want to forgive you of sin. And that's through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're here today... Don't reject and resist the kindness, the love, the grace of God, His mercy, because you're going to experience His wrath, His judgment, and His justice. I'm not trying to scare you out of hell and into heaven, okay? I'm trying to present truth, and I pray that God will work on your heart. I can't make that decision. I can't do that work. It is, it is God reaching down in His grace. And if, if, I, if I were to illustrate it this way, and I haven't done this in a while, but I finally have cash in my wallet. Um, here, let me, let me just don't carry cash anymore. If I were to offer you $5, all right, I'm not asking you to wash my car. I'm not asking you to shine my shoes. I'm just saying, here, this is a gift. What do you got to do to make it your own? Take it. Does somebody want to take it? I'm not, I'm not moving. You got to come and take it. First person takes it. All right, so. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. I didn't make you do 
do anything to get that $5 other than just come up and receive it. And this is the gift, and this is the grace of God. If you're here today, you have yet to receive Jesus Christ. It could be a gift of Father, have mercy on me today. I'm a sinner today. I accept your son. It's my first mistake. I don't deserve that kindness. I don't deserve that grace. But you have chosen to offer freely to me. And today I accept that. During, during the close of the service, or even during the communion time, this would be an incredible opportunity for you to just cry out and say, God, please, you know my heart. I deserve your love. I deserve your kindness. But today I humbly receive it. It's a free gift. That can do a transformation in your life. Being be an enemy to, to be part of the family, to be, to be in darkness and to be in light are so many illustrations of, of how God just flips our life. We think it's right side up, but it's really upside down. And God says, let me just set you right so you can see things correctly, clearly, and I can begin to work in you. Today can be the day of the beginnings. That's why the Bible says it's being born again. It's a fresh start. It's a new day. And it all comes from the kindness of God. Who you are. But we are incredibly undeserving. We are incredibly guilty. Kindness is so foreign to us as human beings in our lost and unsafe state. God, I don't know these people well enough, but I'm guessing that there's probably at least one person here today that has yet to accept your grace and your forgiveness. Fully understand what Jesus did on the cross so long ago is still relevant. And that kindness is still apparent. God, I pray that you would work in hearts and lives of people here today, especially for that one that has yet to trust Christ. I pray that today, even in this moment, they would cry out to you forgiveness. That they would realize that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for their sins. That they would, would recognize that they can start anew. Old things can be passed away, and all things can be made new in their lives. You're extending that free gift. The offer is being made right now in this moment. And if there's one who's yet to receive Christ, that today is the day he begins. God, I can't say that enough. I can't say it any clearer. I pray you work in the hearts of people here today. They will humbly cry out and receive you. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the work that you do in our heart that brings the transformation. God, I pray for souls today to receive Christ anew. The day would be a day of beginnings for them. And for those that are here that have received Christ, I pray that they wouldn't quench the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit as you would try to produce fruit in their lives. They would be obedient, submissive, humble, and allow you to bring that fruit, specifically kindness to fruition.
faith and gives us strength and courage to walk in obedience, to put on these things. We pray for your blessings now.